Sports talk with a little bit of an edge. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. You found the Crowley Show. Where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me, shirtless Tom beyond the glass. Check them out on Twitter at FBomber73 and at ButtonPusher970. This doesn't have to be difficult to understand if you're a national media person, and yet it seems like they're all missing the boat here on Le'Veon Bell not showing up and the reaction of his Steelers teammates. Here's what Jason LaConfora tweets. Never seen a group of players this enraged over a teammate's contract holdout. It's not like Bell is getting paid to stay away. He's walking away from his own paycheck. If I'm a Steelers coach, I'm nervous. Poor way to start a season. Players usually stay out of teammates' money. It's not about the players' contract dispute. It's not about that anymore. It's about loyalty. Why does getting cheated on hurt so bad? Yeah, you don't want to think about your lover in the arms of somebody else, I've always thought it was because the loyalty's broken. It's because somebody who you trust lies to you. This is about loyalty. This is about the Steelers being blindsided. All the national media members want to be hip. They want to pander. They want to be pro-player. That's the new liberal thing to do. And I'm a social justice warrior, and I'm just as lib as the next guy. You know that if you like the Crowley show. I'm always in the camp of the player. But this is not about the contract dispute anymore. This isn't about Ramon Foster being a player rep and wanting to stand beside Le'Veon Bell because he is a player that is represented by the union. No, it's not about that anymore. It's about being blindsided by your friend and your teammate. It's being blindsided by him not telling the truth. And the national media either isn't understanding of the situation because they're not here every day, or they want to look so pro-player that they misconstrue what's actually going on, or they miscast what's actually going on. It doesn't seem like it's that hard to understand, that it should be that hard to understand. Le'Veon Bell blindsided his teammates. Le'Veon Bell lied. Le'Veon Bell said before he was going to show up like he did last year. He hasn't. And the Steelers gave him the benefit of the doubt on Monday. On Monday, it was... We'll talk about him when he gets here. We'll love to have him back. He's a great football player. He's an all-pro. They gave him the benefit of the doubt. He'll be here Wednesday, we bet. He made them all look stupid. When you get cheated on, you feel stupid. The Steelers feel dumb here because they've been explaining Le'Veon Bell away for far too long, and now Le'Veon Bell smacks him on the back of the head, stabs him with a knife. It ain't about the players' union anymore. It's about my feelings got hurt. It's about raw emotion. It's about being a person. Marquise Pouncey's a dude. He's a person. Ramon Foster's a person. Alejandro Villanueva's a person. David DeCastro, who's given a bunch of quotes, is a person. People get hurt. Humans get hurt. They experience emotion. That's what's happening. When you defend someone for so long and you find out that they're a skis ball, man, the gloves come off. 
Michael said when he skipped camp, he was hurting himself more than the team. In fact, in some ways, he benefited the team because other guys got more reps. Now, though, he's hurting the team. I'm glad to see the team defend itself. I am always on team make money. I'm always on team avoid CTE. I'm always on team running backs only live in this league until they're 30 years old, and then they die at a young age later in life. Let them make their cash. It's not what this is about anymore. Le'Veon Bell can preserve his body and sit out for 10 weeks and make that fat check on the other side while at the same time also having the common decency and courtesy to tell his teammates and his organization that he's not going to be here until that point. You can have it both ways. I can actually understand, empathize with Le'Veon Bell, what he's trying to do from a financial standpoint. The math doesn't exactly add up to me, but I get where he's coming from. They gave me the ball 406 times last year, plus a bunch against Jacksonville. It was more than any player has had in a season since 2009. They're going to do it again. I could get hurt. I could miss out on a huge payday. I can see where he's coming from there. But tell your damn teammates you ain't going to show up, man. Have some balls. Vinny says, I told you yesterday that they need to sign him and trade him. You hung up on me. Hashtag Rocco. Oh, yeah. I did do that. I'd do it again if you called today. Because they don't need to do that. What are you going to get for him? Is there any assurance that Le'Veon Bell is going to go to the other team and play for them? And would Art Rooney II and Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin really cave in to Le'Veon Bell that way? The end game here for him is twofold. If he gets traded, okay, great. He'll get that long-term contract for whichever team trades for him, right? Or he'll sit out 10 games, play his six, play into the playoffs perhaps, and then he'll go off and make huge-time money. Well, the Steelers don't want to be a pawn in the scheme if they can avoid it. And they can avoid it here by not signing him, by not allowing him to accept that franchise tag and then trade him. They're not going to cave to his demands. Art Rooney II, Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, the Steelers as an organization, they are undefeated in contract negotiations. Listen to Marquise Pouncey. Tim Benz was our dude in the locker room earlier on today, and Marquise Pouncey went off. You tell me if this sounds like a guy who's mad that Lev's not there, or if it sounds like a guy who's mad because Lev Bell blindsided him. Honestly, it's just a little selfish. I don't know. I'm kind of pissed off right now. It sucks that he's not here. Obviously, I don't think he'll be able to play in the game plan not being here at this point. And uh, We'll move on as a team. Connor looks great. We'll worry about him in week two. Do you think if he's missing one, he's going to miss ten? Uh, at this point, uh, go ahead and miss him. <laughs> at this point, it's cool. Connor's ready. He's done did a great job. He's been here busting his butt. The football, the, the football team ain't um, defined off one person. This is a team team unit, and that's how we play ball, and that's how we're going to go forward with it. Can he get over this? Can he get over it? Um, yeah, like if he came back in a month, does he get welcome back, or what happens? We'll figure that out when he comes. Marquise, did you say what you said yesterday, or Monday rather, because you had some belief he was coming? Was that a guess? Did he say something in Welch on it? Or? I just I just felt confident that he was going to come, but now that he didn't, obviously it's Le'Veon over the Steelers, and we're, we're the Steelers, and we're going to play as the Steelers. Has anybody talked to him, to your knowledge? We had conversations with him. A couple of the old linemen did, and it was all good conversation, but at this point, it's bigger than business. Is it kind of like 
the preseason and camp is for business and then yeah, OTAs, the preseason, all that. But now when it's game time and you know that you have $14 million looming out there and you're still not here and your team really wants you here, it's just at this point, we got Connor. Okay, so that's a little bit of both there. They're irritated that he's not here because he was there last year. They're irritated that he's leaving $14.5 million on the table when they don't get to make $14.5 million. That's definitely a part of it, too. And they're angry. He's angry because they didn't know. When Mike Pursuta pressed him and asked the question, if he doesn't show up for this game, does that mean he's not going to show up for the next game, in the next game, in the next game? Marquise Pouncey said, at this point, yeah, let him miss 10 games. But the way he said it was, at this point, yeah, kind of like, I think, yeah, means he doesn't know, which is one of the key reasons he's angry and why the team is angry. It's not hard to understand, people. It's not hard to understand national media. Beaver Falls Hosiery tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Hopefully this will rally the team. Players have chosen their seats. Time to ride the bus to Atlanta with 53 who are on board. Wow, you sound like Mike Tomlin there. We're going to ride the bus with the 53 man we've got. Got to lean in. If only it were that easy. They can rally around each other all they want. I don't believe in that mumbo-jumbo stuff. Rallying around your cause is great. Rallying around your cause when you've got an all-pro running back is even better. That makes the job just a tad easier when you've all determined that together you can reach your common goal. But one of the guys, one of the passengers on that bus, Beaver Falls Hosiery, is the All-Pro. The guy who's got talent. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. That's 412-922-2874. As always, you can tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. John does. He says, with the O-line ticked off at Bell, if Bell does come back, they probably won't block for him. It'd be like, what's that prison movie, Tom? Longest yeah. Yard. Okay. It'd be yeah. like Longest Yard when they don't block for Adam Sandler's character. Paul Reckon Crew. Thank you, Tom. Paul Reckon Crew. I could see that happening. Vin says he needs to go. It's bigger than business. It's clearly bigger than business. It's clearly much bigger than business. It's clearly these guys are hurt. These guys are upset that their buddy's not going to be there, that their teammate, that their all-pro running back is not going to be around. He's that good. But they got blindsided. They didn't know it was coming. I worry about James Conner. There's so many expectations on this young man, and he has battled through expectation and battled through adversity his entire life. In college, he had to deal with cancer. He probably didn't think he'd be a third-round pick here. He is now a third-round pick, now getting a chance to start in the National Football League. I worry about everyone's expectation for him being Le'Veon Bell. I get a lot of that. I get a lot of it on Twitter. I get a lot of it in the phone calls. The Steelers will be fine with James Conner. He's a good player. He's got pedigree. They'll be okay. And you know what? I hope you're right. I hope he can. I hope he understands, though, that he's the next guy to not be popular. If he doesn't work out, Le'Veon Bell will get crucified first and foremost. But then it's going to be James didn't perform up to expectation. Well, the expectations are too high. 
I've heard people say over and over again, here's that buzz phrase again, running back by committee, you can get the job done. James Conner's good. He'll get the job done. Maybe. But I don't think it's going to be as good as what Le'Veon Bell could provide. And if it's not, if it doesn't live up to expectations, and if the Steelers are 5-4, and four, the Steelers are 6-3 and three and not where we thought they'd be in the standings, a little behind where we thought they'd be, not measuring up to our expectations, that poor young man's going to get it. Le'Veon Bell threw his entire team under the bus today. That sucks. Coming up next, Terry Bradshaw had some thoughts on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Tomlin in particular. I'll tell you where he's right. I'll tell you where he's wrong. And we've got more on Le'Veon Bell, too. It's a Crowley Show. Sports talk with a little bit of an edge. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Tom, I don't know how much money you make. I'm not going to ask you to tell me how much money you make. It's a lot. Well, I bet you I make more than you. I don't know about that. Let's assume I do. If I walked up in here and took my paycheck in front of you and ripped that thing to shreds and said, ah, this money's not good enough. I'm not getting paid enough. Would that irritate you? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I think it would. It really would. I think it would. I I might punch you in the face, to be quite frank. That's how the Steelers have to feel about Le'Veon Bell right now. They have to. Marquise Pouncey. Isn't making Bell money. Ramon Foster ain't making Bell money. I guess Pouncey's the one guy who's in the stratosphere, but Ramon Foster ain't. Alejandro Villanueva ain't. And Le'Veon Bell's all like, man, I don't need $900,000. I won't show up this week. $900,000 he's leaving on the table this week, and every week he does not report. If I'm a Steelers teammate, I'm furious about it. This is ugly, man. It is ugly. The media asked, this is according to Will Graves, the Steelers, if Kevin Colbert would respond to Le'Veon Bell's agent's comments. And Bert from Steelers PR responded, We are not going to discuss any conversations through the media. If Adisa Bakari, Bell's agent, would like to talk further, he has the phone number to our offices. The Steelers were totally blindsided. And they should have been. Because the indication was that Le'Veon Bell was going to do what he did before. And I know that some of the national media are saying, Well, he said on an Instagram video he was maybe going to miss some time. He also said in the same video he wasn't going to miss any time. So the expectation was it was going to be like last year. Now it's not, and it got ugly. Things also in the past got ugly between Terry Bradshaw and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll get back to the Le'Veon Bell stuff in a minute, but here's what Terry Bradshaw had to say on a radio show about Mike Tomlin. Well, I reckon. I don't know Mike Tomlin. I tried to call him a couple of times, and he didn't return the phone calls, but that's not, you know. Hey, huh. that's no big deal. There's a lot of people that don't return my phone calls. That's nothing. <laughs> but I, I tried. I did use an outside source to try to hook up with him. Huh. Um, but I've seen him on the side. Only listen, you're right. I played for a tough guy in college, a, a really tough guy. Uh, I played for a tough guy in Pittsburgh. 
uh, Mike Tomlin is winning football games, but but at the same time, you know, Super Bowls are just disappearing, and that's my my criticism is how can how can you have this great offense and uh, and you being a defensive guy and why you know and, and I think that football team should have been in another Super Bowl or two. Not how could they not be? And to lose at home to Jacksonville, I don't care how good a run Jacksonville got on. I don't care how good Jacksonville played New England in the championship game. Uh, you don't lose, what, 45-42? 45-42? Are you kidding me in a championship game? I mean, Ben and those guys on the offense, they should have won the game 42, what, 17, 42-10? Yep. And they didn't. So I look at the head coach and criticize me. I could care less. You know, that's my opinion. That's why I played for a tough sucker, and I was afraid of him. And we played our ass off for him because we feared him. And I don't see that with this guy. He's, you know, he's chest bumping and all that. And I'm just, you know, that's, I, I'm heading the corporation here, man. I'm the CEO. I'm the chairman of the board. I'm talking to the stockholders and I'm telling them, here's what, here's how we're going to do at the end of the quarter. And I'm selling this thing and I'm not delivering the goods, which is championships. You got to face, you got to face the criticism. And, uh, I, you know, I'm sorry, but uh, he's not my kind of coach. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. You know, they win. They win. Now, listen, they win. There's no – but look, how could you, as I say, how could you not win? How could Belichick not win in New England with Brady? You know, how could you not win? A lot to digest there. It's – been an hour and a half long digestion process here on the Crowley Show. We'll get back into Le'Veon Bell for pretty much the remainder of the program. But I would be remiss if I didn't tackle Terry Bradshaw first. I didn't like the line, the chest bumping and all that. What's that connotation? He's not a CEO. Why? Because you can't be a CEO and chest bump your employees? It's got to be done the way that you think it has to get done, Terry Bradshaw. Uh, is the connotation that he's one of the boys? I sure hope that's not what he's trying to say there, but I, I kind of get the feeling maybe he is. If Terry Bradshaw would ever come on the radio station when he's not selling something, then we could have a conversation about what he actually meant there. He's called Mike Tomlin a cheerleader in the past, and I realize this probably isn't a good time to be on the side of Mike Tomlin with all this chaos and mayhem surrounding the Pittsburgh Steelers, but... I think there's some criticism that's fair and some criticism that's not. In the chest bumping in all that line, that's not fair criticism. Here's the tough thing about Bradshaw. Sometimes I don't know what he's trying to say. His gums flap and he's entertaining, but not a lot of substance comes out. He also went on to say he's not my kind of coach. Reference Chuck Noll, we were scared to death of our coach. You implying that you love Chuck Noll? You implying that he was your kind of head coach? Why didn't you go to the funeral? Why didn't you attend Chuck Knoll's funeral then? If he's your kind of coach, if you think he's the kind of coach you need, where's the disconnect? What happened there? You don't like him now? You liked him as a football coach, not as a person? Because, okay, you can explain that one away. But Tunch and Wolf were talking earlier on their program, which you can catch from 10 o'clock until noon here on ESPN Pittsburgh. 
And they were saying Bradshaw complained all the time about Chuck as it was going on. That he wasn't their kind of that he wasn't his kind of coach. So Bradshaw saying one thing when I really don't think he knows he sounds like an idiot. Saying one thing, but the words that came out of his mouth regarding Chuck Knoll when he was a player aren't the same thing he's saying now. Saying one thing, but the action was him not going to Chuck Knoll's funeral. This will be the national narrative on Mike Tomlin if they don't win this year, though. He couldn't win with all that talent. That's the refrain you've heard from his detractors. That's what you heard, of course, there from Terry Bradshaw. But it's more than that, though. The Steelers should have gone farther in the playoffs than they did last year. I'm not going to excuse that. But recently, when they have had all that talent, when they have had Bell and Brown and Ben all together, they haven't always had all those components in the playoffs. The Ravens lost. They didn't have Le'Veon Bell. They had to sign Ben Tate off the street. Ben Roethlisberger got sacked five times, threw a pick, did not play well. Not Ben's fault. They weren't going to be able to run the ball. The Ravens just teed off on him. The Broncos lost. The Steelers didn't have Bell or D'Angelo Williams or Antonio Brown. Ben's shoulder was all effed up. The Patriots lost. Bell was hurt. Kobe Hamilton and Sammy Coates were the primary receivers behind A.B. You know how easy it is to shut down the Steelers when they don't have Le'Veon Bell back then? And the only receiver you had to cover was Antonio Brown? Yeah, it was pretty easy. Now, last year... There was no excuse. But which year exactly other than last year should they have been in the Super Bowl? 412-922-2874. I also think it's not fair to compare Tom and a coaches not named Bill. Or it's not fair to compare Mike Tom and a coaches named Bill. I'll take Belichick. I'll take Walsh. Compare him to others around the league, and I'll take him over mostly anybody. Coming up on the Channel 4 News tonight, you're going to hear from a Yinzer Steelers fan. I thought Marquise Pouncey was the best quote. I thought maybe David DeCastro was the best quote. I think this woman is the best quote. Very angry at him. I mean, I understand, okay? He got to eat, too. He got a family. I get it. But at the end of the day, really, you can't take it with you, lady, on. If he don't show up, who cares? We'll do without. It's the Steelers. Like, we create the talent. We made you who you are. We made you what you're worth. End the story. Yeah, she's the best. And that is the, I think, echoing sentiment from most Steelers fans. Would you not agree, Tom? Yes. She nailed it. She speaks for all of Yinzer and Steeler Nation. Burn the jerseys. Le'Veon. You keep your Nikes today, and you burn your Le'Veon Bell jerseys. You can burn the Nikes tomorrow. Burn your Nike shirts. Burn your Nike shoes. But first, burn a Le'Veon Bell jersey. I think my favorite part of her rant was how she put it on not just the Steelers for making Le'Veon Bell who he is, but we as Steelers Nation, too. We made you who you are, Le'Veon Bell. This is our doing, not yours at all. So you thank us for the money that you're making, not your hard work. And dedication to the game. Isn't that what we've kind of heard from the Steelers' offensive line, though? Like, for real? The Steelers' offensive line, a couple of the guys said, we're the ones who are doing it for you. We made you. 
Well, I think they have a little more stake to that claim than the Yenzer lady on the sidewalk. I don't know about that. It's the power of the terrible tout. The 12th man, of course. No doubt about it. TM Seattle. Sorry. TM Texas A&M. Sorry. That's one of the reasons it cuts so deep if you are a Steelers offensive lineman. You've helped Le'Veon throughout his entire career. You've opened the holes. You've got him into the end zone. You've been that boss up front that he needs. And now he's going to make more money than you. And instead of sign his name on the dotted line, he just rubs your nose in the fact that he didn't need that money because he's going to make bigger money later. I think it's the blindsidedness of him not showing up. And it, it, I think it's the greed in their eyes of not showing up, not taking the money. And if I'm an offensive lineman, if I'm a stealer in the locker room, I'm sick to my stomach. Let's go to Devin next up on the Crowley Show. What's up, man? What's up? Two things. Yesterday, I don't know if I need to apologize. I was at happy hour, man. So I'll tell you, you what, Devin, we are so far removed from the Josh Dobbs conversation, it doesn't <laughs> even matter. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Uh, no, I was just saying for calling in so many times. But um, oh. as far as the Lady on Bell thing, I'm probably about to say something very unpopular. I'm over it, man. I look at it like he broke his leg in, in game three of the preseason on, or, or in practice or something like that. What are you going to do about it? Move on. We have to play with the players that we have. If he comes back, is he going to be that much of a factor if he does come back in week 10? I mean, it's a team, just like everybody keeps saying. So we have to play and we have to win. Devin, if Le'Veon Bell does come back in week 10 and the Steelers are a good football team, let's say they're 7-2, and 7-3, and three, something along those lines, and he comes back, what are you thinking if you're one of his teammates? I mean, I, I, I can't go that far as a fan. I'm, I, I'm like, just like I am now, I'd be over it. Like, it's like, we made it to 7-3 and three without you. We can make it to 13-3 and three without you too, buddy. He's like, dead he, to you? Is know. he dead to you, Devin? I mean, he needs to go do what he needs to do. I, I don't care about him one way or the, the other. I guess that's what I'm saying. Devin, is it about... Him not being here, or is it about him lying and not telling the Steelers that he wouldn't be here? I mean, basically, it's about him being a whiny prick and making everything yeah. all about him. And I understand that he wants his money. We all understand that. And they tried to give it to you. You want what you want. Okay. Bye-bye. I don't know. Appreciate it, man. Yep. 412-922-2874. With Le'Veon, are you upset with him, Snowflakes? And I want you to call in. I want you to tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Are you upset with the lying and the not telling the teammates that he wasn't showing up? Or are you upset that he's just not showing up? I want to separate the two issues here. Because to me, not showing up makes sense in his mind to keep him healthy. And if that's the best way he can get his paycheck in his mind, okay, fine. I can weasel my way up into his skull and find a way to be empathetic. But the thing that makes me most mad, the thing that makes me seethe, is that he could have done that and still told his buddies, still told his teammates, still told his brothers, man, I'm not going to be here for 10 weeks. Good luck, and I'll see you when I'm back. Your thoughts, 412-922-2874. Coming up next, it's the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun, brought to you by To Be Determined. And we'll hear from 
RMU coach Bernard Clark. It's Crowley Show. Now here's everybody's favorite millennial. Adam Crowley (laughs) on ESPN Pittsburgh. Sean P. tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. I'm pissed off for Ramon and Pouncey. They were counting on Le'Veon. Shelf, selfish beep, with no communication. I feel bad for him, too. They thought he was coming. He didn't. Chris says at underscore Adam Crowley. Totally agree with the caller before. So over Le'Veon stuff. If he doesn't want to play, he can go kick sand. The offensive line will make Connor an above average runner. And when Bell shows up, I think he doesn't get the same blocking up front. He's acting like a millennial. Hey, now, man, don't kick sand in my face. Don't bring all the millennials into this. We'll talk more about Le'Veon Bell coming up in a few minutes here on the Crowley Show. We'll also get to the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun, brought to you by To Be Determined. Right now we hear from Bernard Clark. He's the head coach of the Robert Morris University Colonials football team. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We can keep talking about Le'Veon if you want to after the game we just had. <laughs> <laughs> so you lose 49-28. to You go to Dayton. That's that's a tough battle for you guys in game number one uh, in, in your coaching tenure at RMU. Uh, what did go wrong, and what are some things, obviously, that you can take away to improve upon, Coach? Well, the thing that uh, nothing really went wrong, to be totally honest with you, Dayton is just a very good, very coached football team. Their technique sound, they're very disciplined, the same thing I said last week. And they played a hall fall game. We just missed too many tackles. We had about 23 missed tackles on defense and too many bust assignments in order to be the team that's that structured and that well coached. That's what went wrong. Probably the good thing we brought over is we got 28 points. Our offense was able to move the ball, probably left some yards on the uh, field, also left some points out there also. But we were able to move the ball and get some things going. We just got to make some adjustments on defense defense in order to keep competing against teams. On the offensive side, you had 416 yards. That's the first 400-yard game since 2013 for the program. And you had 26 first downs, which was the most since 2011. And you guys now lead the nation in third down percentage, going 13 of 18 in the game. So on the offensive side of the ball, you said you were able to move the football. You were able to put it in the end zone. What did you guys have working, and what can you use? You even said you left some yards, you think, on the table there. Well, I think uh, our running game, like I talked to you about last week, our running game still needs to pick up. We still haven't established the running game the way we would like to establish the running game. What we did well on offense was Jimmy Walker had a real good game. He was able to read his audibles and check down and get his first read and his second read and complete the ball. And our receivers had a uh, real good game. We ended up dropping a touchdown also. But I think, like I said, we still need some improvements there, but the guys are definitely on the right track. What's the demeanor of your, your guys after the first loss of the season? They're upset. I mean, naturally so. We we all upset about the situation, but their demeanor is we need to get back to the drawing board and get this thing going, try to figure out what cracks we have on defense and seal those cracks and what we need to do better on offense and get things going there. So they definitely have the right mindset. Practices have been hard. We've been practicing a little smarter. I mean, they've been practicing hard, but you know and I know, you know, activity without productivity is a waste of time. So we've been real active, but we haven't been productive the way we need to be, and that's what we've concentrated on this. We want to work a lot smarter as well as harder. What do you learn about yourself first time down there on the RMU sideline during a game? Uh, probably the one thing I learned about myself is it's tough not to get involved on defense. It's tough to let the yeah. defensive coach make the calls, especially when you see something going wrong. You want to jump in there, but at the same time, you've entrusted your defense with this guy, and he's doing a good job. He's just trying to fix the cracks. But I 
that's probably the toughest part of it more than anything else is just not calling the plays on defense and letting my defense coordinator do his job, and that was probably the toughest part of it for me. Bernard Clark joining us here on the Crowley Show. Virginia State, your next opponent, they went undefeated in the regular season last year. Uh, they lost in their opener as well to Norfolk State, uh, 34-13. to What kind of challenges do they present, and what are, you, what are you excited about coming home for the first time? Well, the, the great thing about uh, Virginia State that they are, they are a very fast team. And like you said, last year they averaged 40 points a game, and they only gave up 21 points a game. Uh, and they averaged 400-plus yards a game also. So they're a powerful offensive team. they got a lot of team speed more than anything else. So that's what's going to be a challenge to us more than anything is team speed. But I think we're more structured, not as much team speed as they have. But the great thing about it, we're playing in front of our home crowd. And like I said, we're going to fix those cracks we had on defense and try to seal those things and try to hold these guys uh, down on yards and some other good things. But it's a good thing to come home and play at Joe Walton Stadium and get things rolling. When you come off of a loss, are you looking forward to getting out there the next Saturday? Or is it? are you more excited maybe about the process, uh, about trying to get your team prepared to rebound? It's the process, to be honest with you, more than anything else. And the great thing about after the loss, what I tell the guys, you've got 24 hours. Whether we win or lose, if we lose the game, you've got 24 hours to be upset. And let's get over it. Let's get to the next game. And if you win, you've got 24 hours to be happy. That's why they call it a season, because you've got to get ready for the next game. So it's the process of seeing what we need to do to get these guys ready for the next ball game. You can catch the game right here on 970 ESPN, ESPN Pittsburgh. Uh, Coach, best of luck to you playing out there in Moon, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week, hopefully after you guys have evened the record at 1-1. One one. Thank you, bro, man. I appreciate it very much. Thanks a lot. Bernard Clark, head coach of the RMU Colonials, also a Miami U dude, was the player of the game back in the 1988 Orange Bowl. You think we should, throughout the year, kind of pick his brain more about that kind of stuff? Because, I mean, it's great that he's the RMU head coach, but, like, come on. It's we, badass. We really care about that kind of stuff. I mean, the dudes he had to have known. I talked to him a little bit about it last week. This week, I wanted to get the game stuff out because I wanted to get back to Le'Veon Bell. I wanted him to say where the football team is, how they're going to improve, what they're going to do. But, yeah, we'll get the Miami stuff, too. Yeah, yeah we'll get the Miami stuff, And the stuff dudes too. he tackled, too. I mean, those are Oklahoma Sooners out there. Yeah. 14 tackles. Yeah, I, I don't think West Virginia tackled him 14 times last year. The whole team. What time is it, Tom? And now it's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. Woo! Oh, this guy. Woo! Mike Tannier, who I ripped yesterday for not understanding the Steelers contract offered to Le'Veon Bell at all, is up to it again. I told you in the last segment that Burt Lawton, Steelers Communications, said that if the agent of Le'Veon Bell wants to talk about this, don't do it through the media, do it by calling our phones. And Mike Tannier now tweets, Steelers players are accelerating quickly towards it's the media's fault. We said things directly to the media that used to take almost 24 hours. Great footwork. The Steelers aren't trying to cover their tracks here. I don't think the players are trying to do that. I don't think that Burt Lawton's trying to do that. I think that that's a total misread on the situation too. The Steelers just poured their hearts out to the media because they wanted things to be said. They're not going to start backtracking on it. No, I don't buy that for a second. I saw a Cam Hayward tweet where he said, I said some other things in addition to this. Cam Hayward wants to be quoted accurately. He doesn't want things to be taken out of context. Cam Hayward is always level-headed and emotional after games. 
But he's also always emotional while being level-headed with everything else he talks about. He wants to make sure that Le'Veon Bell feels like he can come back to a locker room later on in the season. The other guys, they're not backtracking at all, and I'm not even suggesting that that's what Cam Hayward did here. The rest of the Steelers, they want Le'Veon to know that they're pissed. This reminds me of what happened when James Harrison left last year. When he flew the coop, when the Steelers let him go, this reminds me of that when it was no holds barred. We're not holding back. It's everything that's being said privately is going to be said publicly. And what's being said publicly is, this guy's a jerk for not telling us this. That's a great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. Woo! There are some things that happen around the National Football League that I could get into. I want to get into. we got the rest of the week to get into. Tomorrow I'll be out at Heinz Ward spot at Cranberry Tavern 86. We'll be talking to Heinz about all this. I'll be talking to him about a bunch of stuff around the league as well. But today's for Le'Veon Bell. Today's for the Steelers' reaction to Le'Veon Bell. Today's about how pissed off they are, not because of the contract not being signed, not because of the financials, but because they were lied to. We'll take a quick caller before we hear from Marquise Pouncey. We'll take this caller before we hear from Le'Veon Bell's agent coming up in the next segment, D.C. and Coriopolis. Hello. Hey, guys. I've been listening for a couple of hours, and there's been a lot of good stuff that uh, I wanted to call in. And uh, the bottom line was, it's a great day for sports radio. <laughs> no kidding. And and I would say that how great would it be next week if James Conner ran for 150 yards? And you know what? That wouldn't be just great for sports radio. That's what the offensive line wants to prove. Yes, and now it would be great for the city. I'm sorry. I was just making a kind of contrast, you know. No. I, the bottom I, line is when Connor was at Pitt, he was really good at turning four-yard gains into 30-yard gains. It's, you know, he is not a uh, three yards in a cloud of dust guy. He, he, the, it, and, and perhaps the Browns will be thinking that, oh, they're going to throw because Le'Veon's not there. It, it could be a, quite a surprising Sunday. Well, last year, and thanks for the call, D.C., last year the Steelers didn't run the ball very much because they thought they could throw it all over. All over the Cleveland Browns. And it didn't work out. So this year I tend to agree. I think they're going to run the ball maybe a little bit more. That being said, the faith in James Conner from Pitt fans, the faith in James Conner from Steelers fans isn't misguided, but I think it is just a tad over the top. I think he's going to be good when he's in there. I think he's going to be good when he's healthy. His durability is a concern. I misspoke before. We'll give you the Le'Veon Bell agent sound coming up at 6.20. We'll give you the Marquise Pouncey sound coming up at 6.20. we got Tim Benz coming up next from Breakfast with Benz. He'll weigh in on all this. It's a Crowley Show.